Welcome along, folks, to the Michael Muro Show. You're all doing well out there whenever you're listening to this, and I hope you've had a lovely time since I spoke to you last, which, really, because it's a podcast, could have been last week, but it could have also been just a few minutes ago when you stopped listening to the last episode. Anyway, regardless, we're having a lovely time. Folks, on today's show, I have an interview with the wonderful Skinner. I sat down with Skinner to record an interview for a podcast that is no longer happening. It was called Michael Muto's Art Project. I'm not going to say never, but not for right now. And I also just thought, hey, I've got this great interview on to play for you. So here we go. Just like last week, we had Brilliant Ray Lonigan. If you missed that, go back and listen to that. And now, this week, we have my interview with Skinner. I absolutely love Skinner. He is a brilliant artist. I absolutely love everything he's ever done. He's done it all. From painting to toys to sculptures to directing to every single thing you think of. He is brilliant. Absolutely. Just a really... And just a lovely, sweet guy as well, too. As well as creating all these, like... Uh, wild imagery and stuff like that. He's such a sweet guy as well too. It was such a delight to sit down and talk to him. Cannot wait for you to hear this episode. There is a link in the description of this episode to Skinner's website. And just quick heads up about this episode. There is swearing. Yes, you did not imagine it. There was an explicit tag on this episode. Anyway, with all that out of the way, here is my chat with Skinner. Well, um, so. I think what I want to start off by asking is, um, so we're talking about is um, you do like so many things, as I was saying before I started recording, and uh, like you've you've got an animated thing coming out soon, animated film coming out soon that you've been posting like bits and pieces every now and again. Um, you've done album artwork. Um, like yes. design skateboard decks, like every like paintings, all kinds of stuff. Like where does when did you start? It's a basic question, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> start um doing uh, doing art for mm-hmm. for ba- bands and stuff for or like for a living or something. No, just just like art yourself. Like how what was do you I suppose oh, you start when you were a kid, like, I guess so. Five years old, yeah, yeah, drawing dinosaurs and yeah, watching uh, Godzilla movies and mm-hmm. Ultraman on yep, uh, channel three or whatever, and and then drawing creatures. I remember the first, I remember the I remember the first time I uh, I was like maybe five four, um, probably about five maybe, and I was watching the. Uh, it was like a holiday parade. I think it was like the Rose Bowl parade or right. Thanksgiving parade on television. Mm-hmm. And it was like Mr. Universe or something, which is like a weightlifting yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> thing we have here. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, holy smokes, look at this mm-hmm. dude. He's got bowling balls in his, in his arms, you know? And it was the first yeah, yeah. time that I'd, I'd ever seen like somebody with like large muscles like mm-hmm. that. And then I was like, dude, that's insane. Like that's real. That's crazy. And then I started kind of watching uh, the incredible Hulk TV show. Yeah. And then Hulk, I saw Hulk Hogan. It was like, all mm-hmm. of a sudden I was like, dude, look at these massive people. This is 
crazy. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to try to draw that. And I remember in preschool, <laughs> that was the first time I was like, <laughs> like intentionally, like, I'm going to try to draw a Hulk Hogan mm-hmm. arm. And uh, I remember in my mind, like, oh, it was like the first like intentional thing. I mean, of course, it looked just yeah. like a bunch of circles or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. But then, uh, I mean, honestly, uh, I actually feel like doing art as a child. Um, mm. I think I think some people maybe naturally gra- gravitate towards just kind of being creative yep. and then when you're a child you actually allow yourself to be creative without like yes. all the crushing self-criticism yeah. and the judgment and stuff mm-hmm. so you know i i got after it drawing them crazy circles <laughs> yeah we you mentioned actually because i remember as a kid trying to draw like superheroes and stuff like that and i think it's when you see the muscles that you're thinking of the form and physicality and uh, anatomy and stuff like that. And of course I drew like pecs or big squares and stuff like that uh-huh. as well too. Yeah. Yes. Or break well, it down you know, to the base. Like, yeah, it's like, it's weird because I mean, as like a little, a little dude, like a little mm-hmm. male guy mm-hmm. and um, I'm being kind of bombarded with, you know, images and messaging around masculinity or mm-hmm. what masculinity is or like how fantasy films are really like a hilarious uh, projection of what people think masculinity is. It's like, yeah. OK, if masculinity could exist in a fantasy world, like in a in a man's fantasy mind, yeah, yeah. it's like, what does it look like? And it's like. An extremely buff dude chopping heads off of people. It's just like, it's yeah. like, it's so degenerated, you know? Yeah. And then there's like a girl there that wants you to rescue her and she's just of like, course. you know, and it's just yeah. like, what? <laughs> You're fucking crazy. But like, uh, so I started drawing this stuff and like Godzilla and all these characters, but they were all yeah. like kind of like symbols of power in a way. It was like, I felt very extremely powerless in in my life and I had no control over anything. I mean, as a child, you you really don't. No. So I kind of, I guess in a way, I kind of went into my imagination as a way of um, trying to have control over my life in the moment. You know, just like for the powerful characters like Godzilla. I mean, it's like no one's going to mess with Godzilla. People will try. Yeah. Other monsters yeah. will try, but no, no one beats Godzilla. Right, know? and perhaps Hulk they Hogan, could. all that kind of people like yeah, that. Like with yeah. the fantasy of Hulk Hogan, where in the TV show, <laughs> like he couldn't be beaten. He would just beat Andre the Giant and stuff like that. Yes, and perhaps, perhaps there's another, another life, another place out there for me that's not this kind mm. of banal. You know, I mean, I mean, like, but also it's funny because everything's so exaggerated. I mean, yeah, when I was a child, yes, there was, you know, a tumultuousness. There was uh, conflict. People were fighting. People were upset. There was emotionally immature uh, parents fighting and arguing. There's violence. There's like all this stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. But the most immediate thing that was driving me insane was that, like, in my little pajamas, 
um, that my parents would not cut the feet off of the bottom of the pajamas so that I could be free so that my feet could touch the ground, which I was like obsessed with my feet touching the ground. I needed that. I hated socks. I hated the bottom of my pajamas. I wanted them to cut, be cut off immediately. Mm. And I would, and I would throw a fit about it. And it was like crazy because I'd never throw a fit about anything, but um so so anyway so i was drawing and then you know all through school it was sort of something that i was recognized for and it was kind of like you know i think that the way that artists are filtered out of society at a young age um i mean take in mind too that this was like the early 80s which is just like crazy to say but um, so it was like the early 80s and I'm watching Airwolf. There were like yeah. TV shows about, you know, badass helicopters on TV. I mean, TV was crazy. Like the A-Team, um, every, everything was really. It is wild um, to look back at it and go, what is going on? <laughs> wow, like what? Airwolf, like I remember seeing Airwolf going like, wait, what is this show? They're fighting crime with a helicopter? Yes. Dude, America rocks. Dudes rock. But everything was extremely gendered. You know, it was really, it really was like, here's mm. a TV show for dudes and here's a TV show yeah. for girls. I mean, it was like, boys had He Man, girls had Cabbage Patch Kids. <laughs> she rock. Well, She-Ra, yeah. I mean, you know, dudes. Could, well, well, that was the thing. Is it was like, okay, She-Ra was like, Girls had She-Ra, mm. boys had Hordak. Oh, yeah, you know that's true. I was, was watching like, about that the yeah. other day, yeah. It was like, we never, it wasn't like, I mean, well, also, if you, you know, if you want to get granular about mm -hmm. it. Uh, we do, I do. <laughs> that's why I want, yes. <laughs> okay, cool. I love to get granular. Well, the, um, the, the, like, you know, the the whole idea was to sell more things. Yeah. So if you had, you know, built in like, OK, well, little boys and little girls, we could they will torture their parents into buying them stuff. Mm. And if you make more things, then they will torture their parents to buy more things, you know? Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, so that was, you know, Gen X, like we were really like kind of the uh, once Reagan was kind of, you know, he like took away all the regulation yeah. on com commercials and children's toys and children's things and all this stuff. Yeah. Um, it is wild to see like how compared to TV nowadays and TV in the 80s, it's like everything, all the kids TV shows, it's all a toy ad. Whereas in now it's like maybe there's toys, but probably it's mostly like just here's a cute drawing we did and we thought it'd be a fun cartoon kind of vibe, you know? Yeah, I mean, it it was really, I, but I will say this, mm -hmm. um, there's more originality in those sort of pseudo, like kind of, you know, mutated like toy slash yeah. animation idea. And a lot of the TV shows and movies from the 80s and 90s are like way more like you know, that was where all the yep. IPs came from that are being mm -hmm. kind of remade now. And stuff. Yeah, yeah. But like, <laughs> I was thinking about that today, actually, about the that uh, that time, time scale, actually, really, right up. 
and how you would see like a show like Transformers and how they were writing and the constrictions of that, but also like, okay, what do we got to do here? Well, we got to get rid of all these other action figures to bring in for New Line. Okay, so let's just kill off Optimus Prime and, uh, but let's, you know, make it really, it's like, I thought they were really being really brave at the time when I saw it. I was, oh my God, I can't believe they killed off Optimus Prime. We're like, we didn't know. I know. They needed <clears throat> to sell more stuff. Yeah, but it was just uh, that restriction sometimes is good for art as well, though. Well, I guess it kind of depends on if your art is attached to money or, or like, a, you know, like, like an economy or a market mm. or something. It's like, I don't know. You know, it's like, I, I think like the, the art and creativity and I mean, we're living in an, like maybe the most disturbing kind of capitalist sort of bottom of the barrel nightmare <laughs> in a lot of ways where um, we're kind of, it's like the reality itself is being reinvented by people with very poor imaginations and a lot of money and so it's it's not the best <laughs> it's not my favorite and you know even even for me it's like I realize like you know if I wasn't if my actions and you know life wasn't attached to um money mm-hmm. um maybe I would be doing something completely different I don't know you know it's that I'm I feel like as much as I love what I do and mm-hmm. that I feel like what I'm doing is really you know cool and fun for me and I mm-hmm. like to collaborate with people and everything um I do actually see it as partially anticipating the collapse of institutions and industries that normally were uh, uh, I guess symbiotically connected with artists so you know for me like I go okay I'm gonna be an artist in a gallery and I go uh, this isn't really working that good you know and then I kind of stopped doing that and I go okay I'm gonna do this over here I'm gonna sell you know I'm gonna make books through these other companies like Mm -hmm. this isn't really it's like it's like I'm seeing that the amount of effort and work that I put into stuff isn't really always being met by you know the institutions and industries that I Mm -hmm. I've connected with so I'm like well I need to do things independently so the idea is that like I, I think maybe because I'm kind of a, I guess, survivalist, <laughs> like I, I'm but not like, uh, you know, the traditional. No, I know. I know. It's, it's like, I'm just like, OK, how do I, you know, Throat how do I, yeah. how do I have a long term? But you know what you're thing? doing? You're you're being creative. You're out there and you're, as you say, you're out to make money. I mean, with your art, but you have your own personality seems to come true for me anyway, as a as a fan. It seems to come through everything you do. You you look at a piece of Skinner art and you go, that was made by Skinner. You don't even have to look. You can tell it's by you. You're oh, of... well, that's positive. That's good because no. we're living in the uh, kind of the golden age of illustration right now. It's crazy. I, I feel like I'm doing a lot of uh, behind the scenes sort of constructing and building sets and managing a lot of things and helping with stuff and 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 all these things so i don't feel like i'm able to do as much sort of Mm. like the high end or high level illustration that i always want to do and so i have some anxiety around like you know are my skills going to get 
decrepit and shitty because everybody's so good now that it is insane. <laughs> it is crazy, you know, how good, like, artists i mean when i go on instagram i'm just like holy shit dude everybody's so good now it's just crazy so i um i do worry i'm like well what am i doing here i'm like you know no you're yourself you could even if i think no you're just (laughs) like i'm just gonna do this and people like wait what he's this is something he just did offhand this is better than everything else we're all doing Uh, damn it i don't know I'm telling you about that. <laughs> well, we'll see. Give me another shot, coach. I'm gonna okay. keep. I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna get back in there. But you know, also <laughs> doing like doing comics is yep. is very challenging because it's it's a lot of small drawings. Mm. And I like to do big drawings, like large paper drawings, and so it's like <laughs> it just feels like. My whole spirit is being squished down into this small <laughs> little drawing that is like three inches by three inches. And so it's not it's not really my favorite, but it's you know, it's it's cool. It's cool to learn and grow. <laughs> yeah. But you're <laughs> totally. I mean, you're working on you've, you've directed animation as well, too. Uh, you directed the music videos and you've got your stop motion work you're doing at the moment. What, what, can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, uh, the the film Shrine of yep. Abominations is been extremely fun to watch come together. It's been like, I think it was like, we've been working on it for six years. Mm-hmm. And honestly, if I knew what I learned in the last couple of months uh, about, you know, making things, making sets and doing stuff and everything... Mm-hmm. I think that it would have been maybe we would have been further along, but yeah. I kind of had like a really like hands off sort of approach to my friend who's doing a lot of the stop motion where, you know, he seemed to have like a very specific sort of vision aesthetic or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was working with him and painting everything and doing stuff. And, and I wrote the story, did the little storyboards and everything. But I don't think they were very clear storyboards. <laughs> That's another <laughs> skill I'm learning. But um, you know, I it, it's just it's gonna be about 40 minutes long. It's wow. a totally fun and indulgent horror fantasy thing that Good. it just really I don't know. There's gonna there's <laughs> nothing like it. There will never be something like it again unless we do it. But it's a yeah it's cool i mean it's it's a lot of it is um you know it's in a kind of unconscious way i think that so much of ourselves comes out in art in a way it's like confusion and trauma and uh for me you know like i started to realize that there are kind of like some archetypes that show up in some of my stories and that there are like motivations and certain kinds of villains and certain kinds. Mm-hmm. And, and what I realized is like a lot of villains, um, like may not even realize they're villains, you know, it's, and it's like, uh, and I kind of feel like that's what life is, is that like you have people who genuinely yep. don't think they're evil. And it's like, dude, you're straight up the most evil person <laughs> I've met. And it's like, 
but you realize that that's, you know, that's the nature of trauma and compulsive mm-hmm. behavior is that people get wounded and then they survive the wounding and then the wounding becomes kind of the thing that determines their motivations and their behaviors in life. And then it's like, dude, you just did like so much horrible shit. And it's like, so what I'm surviving. It's like, you gotta take accountability for that though. And then that's what kind of makes somebody a villain in our eyes Mm -hmm. is that they don't take accountability for their actions because that's what it is in life. You know, people can be forgiven, et cetera, et cetera, and all this stuff. It's the nature of healing. But I think that, you know, in this movie, I didn't realize it's like, uh, as it kind of started to unfold and expand, I started to realize that there, it's embarrassing to me because I can't, I, it feels like maybe a little narcissistic or something, but I start to see like, uh, Oh, this is autobiographical in ways that I didn't realize until now and i was like oh am i just constantly thinking about myself and i'm like ah, i'm a piece of shit but really it's it's that uh i think unconsciously yeah um we're all we're always in a constant state of interpreting reality and so yeah. and, and life and wounds yep. and happiness and joy and everything right so mm-hmm. i was like okay <laughs> this is hilarious and then um but then i also realized that Ross, who's working on it, mm-hmm. may also feel like it's autobiographical for him. Of course, too. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, wow, this is really cool. It's like just the act of creating this thing yeah. is is sort of I mean, in a lot of ways, it's not dissimilar to dream interpretation, where mm-hmm. you're like, whoa, everything's sort of a reflection of how I'm feeling and what I'm doing and who I know and what my yeah. fears are and stuff. So anyways, that, I mean, that's, that well, I mean, that's, the... that's great <laughs> sign though for a film, because I mean, if you were just like, Oh, I don't know. It's some guy and he does a thing and I don't really know too much about it. You know, it's, it's just a bit of fun. You know, it's, it'd be grand. It'd be good fun, but it wouldn't be maybe as impactful as when the viewers watching are like, Hey, there's, there was a lot going on in that. It was really good. Yeah, but also uh, <clears throat> to kind of like pull the, you know, pull the the view the view back a little bit to bird's eye view is like to me. Yep. I'm sitting here telling you about like, you know, emotions and feelings and the universe and interpretations. I'm doing. I'm laying this, you know, jacked up David Lynch trip on you, and then like <laughs> people are, people are gonna watch it and be like, cool, a monster punched another monster next. <laughs> You know, it's like I don't I don't have any misgivings that people aren't going to watch this and be like, damn, Skinner's hella messed up. That's crazy, you know, or whatever. But like, you know, people that know me, I think, are aware that, you know, I'm always sort of working through things and, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, you know, it's not always obvious to the rest of the world that I'm you know like i don't know just going through it because i think everybody mm. else is going through it yeah. i just assume i just assume everybody is holding their own well you know what it is conflicts it's you what know? you're making you're doing for someone else what you were doing you were watching godzilla and hulk hogan and all that kind of stuff but they're like hey i'm gonna get something out of this now it's gonna help me through whatever 
do you know, thing you're going through and stuff like that, childhood, um, even adulthood, all kinds of stuff like that, you know? Yeah, well, I guess, you know, to be transparent, my, you know, my life, my life as a child being feeling extremely, uh, you know, um, unpowerful and mm. feeling like things were just happening to me and that I didn't have any agency in my life. Um, I, and that I gravitated towards these symbols of power and everything mm -hmm. is that like this, I think this film in a lot of ways is sort of an interpretation of life through the eyes of a child who's experiencing trauma and people who mm -hmm. are like doing what I consider to be evil acts. And, uh, but people I've like, it's like a lifetime of trying to forgive people in our lives who have like basically you know, wounded us in ways that it's now our responsibility to deal with those wounds. But yeah. I think that also it's like the child in this film also has enough power to do something about it. So I'm kind of living vicariously through this. There's like a being mm. in this film who is, um, uh, I don't know, like, what I imagine, you know how like we were talking about men who, yep. you know, in a in a fantasy world, they're like buff dudes with long mm -hmm. hair, you know, getting laid and shit and killing mm -hmm. everything, you know. This is like if a child had a a fantasy world where they were powerful enough to mm -hmm. navigate the world of adults, and mm -hmm. you know, we're all still like everybody pretends like they're not a child anymore yeah. once they're an adult, but they're like carrying that part of themselves with them. Yep. It's stuck in your amygdala, my friends, and it's mm. just there, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, you know, you just gotta, you got, like as adults, it's our job to take care of that part of ourselves that was young. And so I'm kind of just doing that more and more and more. And I mm. noticed that my depression has faded and that my ability to connect and be intimate with people that care about me and love me is better and it's all it's all part of the trip of uh unlearning and healing and yeah i think that you know i'm talking like this and it's making this film seem like it's going to be some like game changer for the world but it's mostly like if you can kind of see this film in that way mm -hmm. it will make sense um you know, so we'll 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 see how it shakes out. Might be the coolest movie ever made. Might be the worst. We don't know. <laughs> we're gonna see. We'll see how it goes. Um, you when you were talking there, it made me think of um, you're saying how people might see this and might just go, oh, there's monster people fighting each other and stuff like that. <laughs> I mean, but that's like horror, true and true. Where some people go, who's losing? Like I've even heard people even say that RoboCop was not a political film at all. I'm like, how did? Oh man. I don't know. Anyway, it's like the most but, political film of all time. It's I mean, it's it's, it's up there with that. they live <laughs> and uh, Mr. Smith goes to Washington, honestly, like yeah. a, like most transparently political things. But um, actually, speaking of Robocop and speaking of stop motion, uh, you know, Phil Tippett, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I was watching cool. his uh, film Mad Gods. I got that oh, in blue. Yeah. Yeah, I was watching that. And I was uh, just seeing how you can use stop motion with horror and and the um, emotional depth. Like you were saying there as well, there's a lot of emotion 
it made God as well too, of course. Yeah, yeah, it's it's um, <laughs> I mean, I think I've talked to a lot of people. Like I've talked to people who've watched it and said like that's yeah. that movie's genius. It's incredible. Oh, yeah. it's, and then yeah. I've talked to people who are like, eh, I didn't really care about it. Didn't do it. it wasn't nothing. Like whatever. And I was just like, oh, interesting. You know. And and it kind of made me think that, you know. There is sort of an ambiguous nature to engaging with art and yeah. where it's like, is it your responsibility to find something in it to take away? Or is it the artist's responsibility to like slap you upside the head with the message? I think as well, it could be your mood too. Because I remember <laughs> I saw the film Drive years ago and I thought nothing, I didn't think anything of it. Then I watched it again a couple of months later and I was crying. I was like, oh my God, this guy can't connect with anyone. I just thought this was a beautiful film. And then, you know, it just, just depends what mood you're in, maybe. I don't know. It's a weird one, right? It was how people interpret art. It's very strange. People just don't think any anything lower than the surface. And other people are like, well, no, maybe the uh, other scientist in uh, Frankenstein was gay. You know, maybe there is an allegory there. You know, and stuff like that. Right. Well, right, Frank, I, I, think, should say. I think, uh, you know, well, James Whale, the yep. director of Frankenstein was totally gay. So yep. maybe it was in there. But uh, so which uh, God bless. But so, uh, you know, with as far as far as like something like Mad God, which is like an yep. abstract exploration of like consciousness and mm. all these things. Right. It's like all yep. this Jungian trippy stuff to me. But mm -hmm. also, if you talk to Phil or some of the people that worked mm. on it, they might be like, oh, it's just like trying to make something that looks cool and, and interesting. And, and that's like actually a direct, a direct departure from the large scale, um, giant bloated Hollywood films that Tippett Studios yeah. was working on. This yep. was a sort of making art as a way of surviving the experience of being a, an uh, an artist under capitalism working yeah. at a studio mm -hmm. because they're treated like shit. The studios are by like Disney or Pixar or whatever. It's like all these studios are the special effects studios. You mean? Oh yeah. Yeah. They're yeah. constantly like, you know, like taking less than they deserve because there's mm -hmm. just such a, you know, it's like the studios play, you know, it's, it's a race to the bottom, you know, and so you see it in a lot of ways with uh, effects studios where they're um, going out of business after winning, you know, like uh, awards for how amazing they are. It's like, but, you know, the actors in the film aren't going out of business. The directors aren't going out of business. The studios aren't. But like the special effects are just placed so low, even though that's the only reason, you know, in a lot of ways that these films work. Anyways, I digress yeah. from that. But so, so for for Mad God, so yeah. the thing is, is like, you know, people. I I think are we are constantly being bombarded uh, by you know messaging around everything, but yeah. specifically in entertainment and films and TV shows and stuff. What I'm talking about is like. It's like algorithmically, it's like, are these are these films and shows being made because people like them? Or is it like they're kind of like telling they're kind of convincing us what we like, you know, mm -hmm. and 
it's very disturbing where we've arrived in this because there are shareholders in the world, et cetera, et cetera. But when people who anticipate an experience because their relationship with art has been mutilated by uh, the, by basically Hollywood and Netflix and all this shit, they go watch a mad God. And instead of being able to just like take in the art, yeah. they go, Oh dude, there was like no storyline. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, there was no romantic interest in this film or whatever. And yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. you know, it's this profound. It doesn't fit into a box. It's like, well, right. how am I supposed to interpret this? Like, right and that's kind of with everything that's yeah. like when you meet somebody you kind of go oh they're not like how i want them to be or like when mm. like it's like it's a, it's a very constrictive way i think we need it's... to rewire our brains with media <laughs> and we need to be able to be challenged you know it's like well there is no plot to this okay well let's just go along for the ride let's see what happens yeah you know? well, it's not much even... of a plot in alice in wonderland but you kind of go along with it you know Right. Well, I would say, though, that, like, I don't know, for for myself, like, what I realize is the more I'm comfortable being misunderstood, Mm. the the more I'm comfortable, like, seeing art that is, like, doesn't mind being misunderstood. I don't know if that makes sense to you, but it's like, it's like... I can't control yeah. the way that people see me. They're they're gonna see me how they want. They're gonna see me based on their biases, based on their fears, mm. based on their judgments and their criticisms yeah. and all that stuff. I can't take that on. <clears throat> I mm. can't because the only thing I can do is control how I react to life, how I take care of myself, how I do things, like what I do, what I choose in the moment. And making art that i don't mind being misunderstood for because i'm not trying to curate an experience for another person i'm trying to be understood and i don't mind and 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 i'm trying to be understood in these ways where i'm sharing parts of myself creatively Mm -hmm. if people don't understand that like i can't change them that that's for them you know Mm -hmm. and so like a movie like mad god is like specifically created to be misunderstood because it doesn't mind that Mm. it's like you you guys watched fucking star wars cool anyways here's the opposite of star wars (laughs) why the guy who one of the people that made star wars basically or one of the biggest people i mean i should say yeah also in art the context is multi-layered so it's like this is what somebody makes when they're mm-hmm. fucking sick of doing yeah. shit that doesn't celebrate like the cooler parts of creativity like mm-hmm. this mad god <clears throat> i mean phil he you know he's celebrated around the world endlessly for yep. what he's done but also what he's done has been at the behest of movie studios it's never been like let's like let phil do whatever he wants since he's so great at it you know, so, it makes me think of like um, you know, the the commissioning and um art, and I mean, what would Michelangelo have done if he wasn't being commissioned by the Pope? 
you know, what would what would his ceiling have looked like? He's like, oh, just paint an old ceiling there, Michelangelo. Whatever you want to paint now, you can do whatever you want. And he's like, okay, I'm going to paint a big sea serpent here. Come along, and he's going to kill this guy here. Look at this. Well, the, the, other, the other thing that's like pretty wild about Michelangelo, if you think about it, is that he was, I think it's, it's noted that he was gay. I think so, I heard that too, yeah. Yeah, so it's like you're a gay person being commissioned to do religious iconography that essentially condemns you for who you are. It's like such a wild. <laughs> it's just <laughs> this world is endlessly tragic, you know, and I mean, but humorous at the same time, because I think he was hiding like little fun things in, in the mural and stuff. They say that, yeah, there was like um, uh, that. The thing that um, Adam is resting on is like the dissected brain or something someone was saying, and there's a few little things like that, and I don't know. Yeah, pretty cool. And then, but if Michelangelo lived today, he'd be doing like Garfield, Darth Vader, Bart Simpson <laughs> mashup, Beavis and Butthead mashup. He'd be so happy. This is what he really wants to do, of course. He loves commercialism. He loves it. He feeds on it. It sustains him. He loves it. <laughs> <laughs> Michelangelo would be a guest on RuPaul's Drag Race. Judging yeah. the other, uh, uh, that would be awesome. That would be cool, though. <laughs> That's a skit. That's a skit right there. There you go. But yeah, so I don't know, man. Anyway. I'm to get this thing done. <laughs> what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change gears now. I'm going to talk about okay, tools yes. and medium. And which, it's sick to say this, but what is your favorite medium? Could you pick one to, oh, you, to work in? I mean, sure. Easily, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, like my core thing that I love mm. is just inking with brushes and good ink on a Bristol board. But mm. recently, the thing that I'm really loving is making mm. like miniature worlds with, you know, like a little graveyard or a Ooh. little, uh, like a small you know, or like a tiny desert that yes. when you film it right, looks like a massive desert. So yes. I'm just, I mean, also like making dolls, little evil dolls with clothing. You know, it's like, it's the yeah. best. You're building a little world and giving them little personalities. And Skinner, this is something I've wanted to do forever. I'm going to start doing it now, I think. It's making little dioramas, little worlds like that. I love miniature things. I totally get it. <laughs> Love it. I, well, we. I want you to do it. I will. Michael Muto's Mini Mutants. There we go. How about that? There we go. <laughs> TM, 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 TM. <laughs> Wait, so why have you not given yourself the chance to make these little dioramas? It's so You know what? Fun. It's just space. I just need to get some space. I'm going to get some space. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get some little bits and pieces and make them on a cardboard and start making things. You know who makes the absolute most fun little miniature scenes and stuff is Ooh. my friend Leighton Kelly. Leighton Kelly, I know him he now. Wa he was on Instagram, but he's not there. But anyways, a couple of posts back for me, probably like 10 or 12, I went up to right. see his art show, and I did a video of his, of his art show. And there's like little tree houses he's made and little like walls with graffiti and garbage cans. Oh, yeah, dude, yeah. it's so cool. It's yeah. really fun. It's 
it's so i mean it's really like with little plastic bags hanging in the tree too that like got <laughs> caught on the branches like that's so cool it's so fun little details like that yeah little stuff i like that. it <laughs> yeah making tiny outfits yeah the, the skinner story <laughs> are you I making little it. outfits for the characters in your animated special or animated film as well too yes <laughs> well, you know, I you want to here's a funny here's a really funny uh, slash humbling experience for me is that okay. I uh, basically you know once the Kickstarter was over for the movie, mm-hmm. um, I was like, okay, you know, let's expand the stories and all this stuff. So I was like, well, I want to introduce this new character at the very end. Because then we could have a chapter two, right? Yeah. And I thought, like, okay, this like this character, he's like a cool, like kind of like a cool, like mystical detective type guy, whatever. So I designed it. It's really weird. And then I looked up how to make the armatures myself and all this yeah. stuff so that I would leave Ross alone so he could just keep toiling. So I make this crazy puppet. And I'm like, dude, this thing's so cool. It moves. It's all this stuff, whatever. And then uh, I go, here you go. He's he's the detective. I love him, you know. <laughs> and then Ross is like, dude, that's awesome, cool. But his hands were chunky, and he looked weird, and it was like uh. it was totally like you know. But I was like, dude, he's cool to look yeah. at him, you know. And uh, <clears throat> and then uh, Tom Gibbons from Tippett Studios, who's one of the just the absolute most amazing stop motion guys ever mm. he makes the craziest puppets all this stuff he goes hey i want to help on the project and and we we're like okay and he's like i want to do this last scene with this cool detective and stuff and i go okay awesome oh. and then uh he goes dude this puppet is fucking needs help dude oh. <laughs> and so i was like oh it does dang that sucks he's all no it's fine it's like the yeah. design is incredible anyways he took it all the way apart. <laughs> he like he like fully, fully dissected it and like took it all apart and like just it, so it was like my little baby was all dissected. He show, he was like sending me photos of it. He's like, okay, so I took it all apart. I was like, dude, what the fuck? Stop sending me photos, dude, of my little guy. But he didn't. But to them. Yeah, this is you know like you just do this. This is like what collaborative process. Totally, and so I was like, okay, (laughs) this is a really good exercise for me to not be so precious about everything. Yeah, and to be grateful that somebody's coming Mm -hmm. along and helping me with my crumpy little. Yeah, they saw your designs. I want to animate with this guy. You know, right? So he he made these just incredible hands he's redoing all the legs and the feet and there's like mm. all this stuff and it i mean it's it's so cool it's mm. crazy you know but uh but it was awesome and humbling but like you know if you're gonna have somebody you know dissect your puppet <laughs> it better better be one of the world's best yeah you know? yeah <laughs> there's something about <laughs> stop motion for the viewers uh, I include myself in this now, obviously. But when you see stop motion as opposed to 2D animation, even though it's kind of the same process, I mean, it's take a picture, move, take a picture, move. And, um, well, animation is different nowadays. But anyway, but um, let's sell animation with them. 
But with stop motion, you're you're they're thinking this thing is moving, this thing is alive. Like the one mm. I always think of as the Colossus in um, Jason the Argonauts. I remember seeing that as a kid and like going, oh, oh, I wasn't expecting it to move. I was like, oh, this feels like it's really alive and the way it moved and stuff like that. But I think there's something that makes it even more, I don't know, not magical, but yeah, magical, I guess. <laughs> oh, ta- you're talking are, about Talos. Yeah. But even when you're when people stop and think about it, you're like you join you rewatch the film again, you're not really thinking about the special effects you're watching it. But when you think back, you're like, Oh, that was all doing stop motion, you're watching all the maybe fingerprints. I used to love that as a kid when I watched stop motion and see the fingerprints stuff like that. The idea that a person has moved this, a human being has made this, I think it adds to the whole experience top of it all as well, too, as well as the story and as well as the you know, the cinematography and everything. Yeah. I, I... I mean, it's more cool and charming and mm. engaging in a way where, I mean, I like the that Ray Harryhausen stuff yep. because it it's it's really exciting yep. in a way because it kind of requires you to believe in it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these other like extremely realistic monster kind of things it kind of takes away that part of your brain that's like you that you're you have to mm. purposefully suspend your disbelief to enjoy it or something yeah. i don't know it's a very weird uh kind of a disconnect there i yeah. guess and i mean when i was the first time i saw jason and the argonauts i like lost my mind i i was so happy you yeah know? yeah and, yeah i think clash of the titans and all this stuff yes. and uh, yeah. extremely, uh, <laughs> extremely like, you know, um, it put a fire in, in yeah. me that I was so excited about. So, I mean, you know, the movie we're making is like, let's get rid of the people, you know, <laughs> I don't like the people like, cause when I'm young, I'm like, yeah, I don't care about these people. Dude. Yeah. Get rid of them immediately. Yeah, yeah. What's the monster world? What's going on? It's with a film. Jason Agronauts had just been the skeletons. I mean, that's. That's the greatest I've ever made. <laughs> there you go. Dude, just the skeletons man, fighting. Oh my god! Just the I screaming. still don't really. I know how they did it, but at the same time, like going, but yeah, but like how though? Because like they are like it looks like the swords are clashing, and it's like I know it's not real, but at the same time, it's like no, but they really did fight the skeletons. <laughs> well, the cool thing is, is if up. you if you look up Ray Harryhausen's. This, the way that he did stuff. Yeah. Like they have books, but it was, I mean, those those were Ray Harryhausen films, even though yeah. they were like, you know, quote unquote directed. That's the strange thing people. about those. I was thinking that before too, because I remember there was some director that complained, saying like, these are more like Ray Harryhausen films than they're my films. And um, I don't, has there ever been like a guy that's like that in films where the special effects guys are the person? is the like creative genius that everyone recognizes and says this is their film more than anything else you know it's rare like. well yeah i mean <laughs> these days i i mean that's it's kind of why you know there's like a big difference between like somebody who's sort of a you know i do create like there it's like it's like almost like ray harryhausen today would be like kind of an extreme outlier extreme mm. outlier you know well, i suppose where, they sold it on the back of the the special effects so maybe that's kind of why really i suppose they're 
Because I said, well, what was I mean, the name of a super something? Oh, who? Who? I was trying to think of the um. They used to. They said it was like this dynamation, or it wasn't that. I can't remember right. what it was called. Yeah, it was something like that. New dynamation, yeah, that, dynamic yeah. animation. Because yeah. they were trying to make they because it was animation, mm. but they're trying. They were trying to verbalize it and and advertise it in a way that it could be more taken seriously. Yeah. And so you know, Ray Harryhausen had a lot of stuff working against him. Mm. Um, but. You know, these days you have, I mean, you know, again, looking through Instagram, you see people who do, uh, you know, animations, CGI stuff, but like sculpting Mm. and all this stuff. Yes. And they're kind of like waiting for somebody to hire them to do stuff. And I think, you know, Ray Harryhausen, was like okay i can draw i can sculpt here's what i'm doing Mm. i'm doing this i'm doing that and then had like kind of an agent person to help him Mm. but i mean it was basically all about getting funding which is not changed that Mm. is not changed in this day and age it's like getting funding so (laughs) for me you know in our film yeah it's kind of like well let's um Let's try to make a lot of it and then get a little bit of funding and then do yeah. the whole thing. And then maybe, you know, after that, it would be cool. Fit. I mean, you know, how does that feel? Like, hey, I mean, that's the idea that it's like the people who are going to see this have already basically paid for it to be made. Does that kind of energize you, Base? Oh, well, it energizes me, but it also makes me feel like I have like, anxiety about fulfilling you know, I feel an extreme obligation to make everybody feel happy and satisfied and stuff because, mm. you know, I mean, I, it's, it's, they're the ones helping me do shit. And yeah. I feel like gratitude and I feel like, you know, essentially they are a part of the collaborative part process because they're yeah. like, Hey, I'll give you some money. Here you go. And so that's mm. why I try to make everything that they get in the Kickstarter um really good like cool Mm. and great because i'm like here you go i want everybody to feel really happy because i'm building something here but it does i mean the energizing part is like hey dude you're on the hook now for (laughs) to get this done bro get this shit done so yeah you know it's uh (laughs) (laughs) but i have been i have been uh i i you know was in talks with uh screen box um to see about uh extending the film or doing like a chapter two part um and but you know you have to get kind of like a producer to do the budgeting and all this stuff and i was like okay i'm really interested in, in extending this i i have like you know a script and stuff and all these ideas but I don't want to get ahead of myself. I would like to really finish this first and make it good and focus on this. And yeah, I think that's a good way to be, really. Yeah, but it's like also maybe not the best. I don't know. I don't think a lot of people mm. are like that. I think a lot of people are like, yeah, let's get the funding. Yeah, let's get the money. Let's do this and do that. You know. But I'm just like, no, man, I want this to be good. We've been working on it for six years. This shit mm-hmm. has to be great. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, from what I've yeah. seen, I mean, he's already pretty 
outstanding, to be honest. And I mean, and it's got your whole vibe is all over this whole <laughs> thing from what I've seen. It's amazing. It's absolutely outstanding. I say that now as someone that's a big, huge fan of stop motion animation, uh, someone that loves horror and stuff and monsters and stuff like that. Very weird you mentioned Ultraman because for some reason, Ultraman, mm-hmm. I think maybe I saw a clip play and I saw, I thought, you know, I bet you Skinner liked Ultraman. And I was like, you mentioned oh, yeah. it so early in the interview. I was like, that's weird now. <laughs> I was going to bring it up, actually. I was like, is this one of your, were you influenced in all by the Tokusatsu show uh, Ultraman? <laughs> Dude, of course. That was the first show ever that I <clears throat> knew what time it would come on every day. Yeah. I was, I'd come home from kindergarten and I would yeah. sit down in front of the TV as soon as I got home because I knew it, right after I got off the bus. I was like, okay, this shit is coming on. Let's yeah. go, Ultraman. But yeah, dude, I mean, it has like, I mean, that's, I was so pumped. I was mm. like, this is so cool. This is, this is real. Like, this is the best <laughs> thing I've ever seen, you know? And you know, then, I've uh, only ever seen the Japanese version. I don't think I've ever seen like the English dub of it or anything. I've, I don't know. It wasn't really a thing when I was a kid for some reason. I don't know why. I saw clips. I was like, wait, why weren't you just showing this? This is awesome. Right. Well, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I guess we just sort of, you know, I mean, we, I was just kind of lucky, I guess at the yep. time it was sort of like, well, they're, you know, they were probably cheap to get maybe at that time. Because this was so funny is I was like, this was like maybe 1983, yeah. 84 or something. Yeah. And uh, I bet you like, when were those on? Like the 70s? I feel like they were. Yeah, they were like, was it the late, early, mid 70s, early 70s, something like that. Like they would have been repeated, I suppose, when you were a kid. But yeah, they, right. they were on for a long time though. Like that influenced everything. There's like. Power Rangers is off the back of that. The uh, Super oh, yeah. Saiyan, or not in Super Saiyan, Super Sentai. And uh, uh-huh. Pokemon and everything is influenced by that. Oh, yeah. Everything. Yeah, the capsules yeah. and everything. Yeah. But again, Ray Harryhausen, the reason that, uh, you know, Godzilla yes. and all that stuff, yes. you know, that all came from like uh, like what we were doing. And I Ten think ta- that there's like 10,000 leagues into the. No, it was uh, the right. creature from uh, beneath or something like that. And it was like the. Um, yeah. they were like, why don't we do this? But we can't do the stop, stop motion. Oh, well, let's do a uh, guy in a suit. Right. It was. Yes. Uh, and I think that a lot of people um, think like, oh, like America was influenced by Japanese monsters and stuff like it's that. Back and forth. And, it is. It's it's back and forth, but I think a lot, you know, it all starts with Willis O'Brien on King Kong. Anyway. Yes. Yeah. So it's, you know, it all I was gonna say there. like there's um there's like people talk about like the last scene and the uh, the giant handkerchief. I'm like, who cares? There's a bit where God's King Kong fights a T Rex. Why anyone talks about anything else? I don't understand. As a kid, I mean, I should say, when I said I was like, this is the best film. Ever made full stop. A giant ape fights a T-Rex. It's the best thing ever. Yeah. And then, you know, I know everybody talks about, you know, like they're, they're like, like shows like, oh, these shows aren't good and all this stuff. Mm. And like my favorite shows canceled and everything on, on these streaming services. And I have sympathy for that. Yeah. But let me tell you about when it, when, in when I was growing up that. <laughs> King Kong would come on once a year. Yes. And yes, you would have to like look for it constantly. 
So we'll be on here <laughs> for some reason at midnight <laughs> on Christmas. I'm like, I don't know what you think you're doing, television. But yeah. I'm up for it anyway. I'm seven years old. It's well past yeah. my bedtime. God, that's awesome, man. Christmas, King Kong. Dude. I don't know <laughs> why amazing. King Kong at Christmas, but they would always show at Christmas. It's very strange. Oh, man, it was the best feeling in the world when I would find it. Like, yes! It's that collector yeah. type of thing where you're searching and looking for the TV guide to try and find this. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then uh, I don't know if you've seen this movie called Equinox. Have you seen that film? It's an independent film and it has stop motion in it, but the stop motion is so cool. It's really cool. No, I've never. I don't get our, I know that one at all now. Equinox. Oh, yeah. You got to check it out. Really interesting. Oh. I mean, kind of, you know, it's very camp and you know, yeah. B movie and stuff, but. Good. Yeah, but it's really fun, dude. It's yeah. so fun. <laughs> but uh yeah man i don't know stop motion forever i guess yeah. you know it's i mean it's the most fun goddamn thing ever it's i mean yeah. it's crazy to when you watch that robocop and you see that ed 209 yeah. and yeah and it's just like the most sinister god yeah. damn dude everything about that thing was sinister and you know what the stop mm. motion aspect of it and how it yeah. moved was made it, it more really horrible. added to it. Yeah, it was so scary. Jesus yeah. Christ, RoboCop is a like a uniquely potent film. In, in Here's life. what I'd love to know: How uh-huh. were we allowed to see that as children? I saw it as a kid. <laughs> I don't know why. I guess they just said, "Oh, a robotic cop." Sure, that's fine. Well, you know, this guy is uh, getting blown up. <laughs> what? Is that it kind of like if you really think about it in a lot of ways, it was sort of advertised not unlike, I guess, like a He-Man commercial would be yeah. um, where it's like part man, part robot, all cop or whatever. And it's like yeah. he's helping you saving the day or whatever, you know, it was and, like and a you're just like, kids oh, cool. TV show and everything and cartoons and toys <laughs> and stuff. It's like. Didn't he shoot a guy in the crotch? <laughs> yeah, he shot his. The best off. scene in uh, cinema history, from my experience. Yeah. <laughs> Up there, anyway. Yes, yeah, very cool. Citizen who? Yeah, it was, it was, uh, I don't know. I remember, yeah, watching that film. I, I tried to draw Robocop when I was, when yeah. I was little, and it was like just a bunch of like circuits and tubes everywhere and it was just like did not look like robot <laughs> but uh you always try to remember and everything but um yeah i i mean that film is i mean it's so strange too because the subtlety of it and you know say like starship yeah. troopers and yeah like it's it's kind of like hey you know fascism is a thing that is just under the surface of all yes. the civility yeah yeah and you gotta like pay attention to it it's mm. just it's here people yeah. like we're so close to just being insane savages because it takes a lot more work yeah to love and stay connected than it does to destroy everything and just to go into a you know a deep sort of decline and, and i mean um, the starship troopers is a great example of something else that has been misunderstood by people they don't seem to understand that it's either a it's a satire they think it's you know either that it's promoting fascism somehow 
and okay. then some people seem to just think it's just giant bugs and they don't understand any kind of social messaging at all and it's just an odd one altogether I don't really understand I mean I thought I don't know how old I was but I was like not that old but I was like well it seems pretty obvious what's going on here <laughs> yeah it's obvious to people you know who I don't know who are who are open to the messaging you know who see it and are just like dude this is brutal and but you know western civilization is sort of predicated on con- the con- convenience and wanting you know co- colonization and stuff and that requires like shutting off your compassion and shutting off all that stuff to just be like you know nah i'm good i just want to dominate i'm cool with dominating <laughs> <laughs> Well, so, I don't know. We've been talking I mean, for an hour. Uh, oh, I don't want to okay, keep... Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, like, do you have anything you got to do or anything? Or Yeah, well, I was going to go... Um, I was going to go... Oh, sorry. Uh, I was going to go work on uh, on the movie a little bit. We have oh, cool. to... Um, there's a scene we're filming where uh, our one of my main characters is in his cave doing... Mm-hmm some cave drawing and reflecting art and, is making uh, art Interesting. yes and hearings and all of a sudden mm. he starts to hear some things mm. but um so yeah that's what i'm gonna do <laughs> well this was lovely i have to say i mean i i was like well maybe we'll talk about art or something or maybe we'll talk about creation but we talked we got pretty deep it was really nice into this is the first of uh, this series I'm doing. So this is this was lovely. A great uh, first interview. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this interview, actually. Of course. Uh, it's my pleasure. Uh, you're wonderful. And uh, <laughs> you've always been so supportive and kind. So, I, have, you know, oh. it's not a problem. Thank you so much, Skinner. And likewise, you too. Thank you. All right, buddy. Have a I'll good see one. See you later, pal. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. There we go. That was my chat with the wonderful Skinner. Folks, I'll be back again next week with another episode. No interview, just myself. Although, I say that, it will be nearly Christmas when the next episode goes up. Who knows, maybe I might just try and wrangle an interview with a certain someone. Who knows? Who Ho, ho, nose. Hint, hint. I don't know. I think you might have blocked my number, so I'm not gonna, you know. Uh, Yeah, anyway, back again next week. Folks, if you haven't done so already, please do leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast uh, app of choice. It helps out a lot, or just tell a friend about the show. Anyway. I'll see you next time. This is Michael Muto, your podcast pal. Bye, folks.